the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Anastasios Adamopoulos and this week we are taking a look at developments in South America with potentially far-reaching implications. Calamity struck Brazil last week as a dam holding water and mud from Vale's Feijao iron ore mine burst. Over 100 people have been confirmed dead and hundreds more are missing. But first, upheaval in Venezuela where self-appointed interim president Juan Guaido has received the support of the US government, which in turn announced sanctions against the country's state-run oil company, Petróleos de Venezuela, to weaken President Nicolas Maduro. So joining us now in our London office is our senior markets reporter, Nida. Hi, Nida. Hi. So what can you tell us about the sanctions? What, what are they all about? Okay, so the US um, has imposed sanctions on PDVSA, which is Petroleos de Venezuela. It is the state-owned company, energy company of, of the South American nation. Uh, they're designed to prevent proceeds of U.S. crude sales benefiting the government of President Nicolas Maduro, Maduro, whose recent election win has been called into question. So although the U.S. did not specifically ban imports of Venezuelan crude, it has blocked companies from entering into financial transactions with PDVSA as long as it remains under the control of, of Mr. Maduro's government. What they have allowed, though, is that any payment for Venezuelan crude imports um, can go into a blocked bank account for the time being. They've also issued a a sort of grace period. So companies that have already uh, agreed to contract supplies from uh, PDVSA or um, anyone that has chartered vessels for the transportation of this oil to U.S. uh, refineries along the Gulf Coast, Uh, can actually do so, and they have until February 27th um, in order to carry out these uh, already booked cargo fixtures. Other companies, U.S. companies like um, oil service providers, uh, Schlumberger and Halliburton, uh, they've been given some sort of a grace period until July the 27th. Okay, interesting. So with that in mind, could you tell us if we've seen any effects of the tanker market already? Okay, so for now, um, there hasn't been any any impact on movements of um, product tankers or crude oil tankers at the moment or at this stage. Um, but what uh, analysts and, and owners and people in the shipping community feel is that it's actually quite beneficial to the tanker, tanker markets. Um, so while the measures are... Um, you know, seen as quite bad for Venezuela and Venezuela's economy and the revenues they get from crude oil sales. Um, In terms of tanker trades, it's quite positive. There are a lot of different dynamics to to this situation. Uh, The most obvious uh, being um, crude oil, which is heavy and sour, which gets sent from Venezuela to U.S. Gulf refineries that rely on this type of of fuel for their operations, uh, we'll be seeing a very likely shift in in trades. Uh, So a short haul movements from Venezuela to the U.S. Gulf will be likely supplanted by more volumes of that crude from Venezuela going to countries like India and China, which are second and third biggest buyers of Venezuelan crude if you look at the 2018 numbers. So that's one. Number two, 
uh, where are the US Gulf refineries going to get this crude from if they're not getting it from Venezuela? They imported uh, about 500,000 barrels a day of crude from Venezuela in 2018. The likely uh, suppliers for US Gulf refiners are Canada, Mexico, and the Middle East. The Mayan blend of crude, which comes from Mexico, um, is actually gaining in price in anticipation of increased demand from the US Gulf refiners. So in actual fact, the US Gulf refiners are looking at paying a lot more for their crude oil than they would be if they were still getting it from Venezuela. Canada has issues with um, sending crude oil by tanker from uh, Western ports or Alberta to the US Gulf. They could send it by rail or truck, but there's logistic logistical difficulties there, which will actually add to costs. So the most likely outcome for them would be to get more barrels from Saudi Arabia. Although the quality, I have has to be said, is, is not quite the same as the Venezuelan quality. Uh, thirdly, on the oil product side, a lot of naphtha that gets um, produced at these US Gulf Coast refineries has been moving to Venezuela in order to dilute the heavy sour crude, which actually can't really, it's very difficult for this crude to pass through the pipelines. So the naphtha is used to, to sort of lighten the crude in a way. And Venezuela has been getting at least about 50,000 barrels a day of naphtha coming in to, to be used in um, for the crude slate. So there are question marks over how much more production, how much more crude production Venezuela, you know, can take, given that it, it naphtha imports might be might be affected. Um, how do they pay for the naphtha that that does come in, or oil products that that do come in? In terms of getting naphtha, so if Venezuela does not get naphtha from the U.S. Gulf Coast refineries as they have been doing, they could look to Europe or Russia for alternative supplies in order to dilute the crude slate. How do they pay for this though? A number of people have said that they could um, have some sort of a swap, crude oil for naphtha swap. So in a nutshell, the the um, the shifting trade flows, uh, you know, will add to ton miles. You know, Venezuela and the U.S. are quite close to each other. If you were to, um, you know, uh, you know, look at Asian markets for these, for a lot of the crude, uh, for a lot of the crude and product trades, uh, we're looking at, you know, vastly improved ton miles, which is beneficial for the markets. And now joining us over the phone is our senior reporter and Venezuela expert, David Osler. Hi, Dave. Hi there, Anas. I'm, uh, so I'm curious to hear what is going on uh, in Venezuela actually on the ground. Do you have any insight uh, for us from there? Yeah, I've been stretching my rusty Spanish and uh, getting on the phone to P&I correspondents and um, shipping agents, Lloyd's agents, people like that actually in place in Venezuela and asking them what they're finding. And the good news so far is that the situation seems to be that ports are working fairly normally. Mm. Some of them did mention that there are constraints on truck capacity because trucks are being used in the protests and that has impeded the ability of bulkers to discharge. But other than that, um, as far as I'm aware, containers are coming through normally and 
so crucially a liquid belt. Mm-hmm. And is there any reason to expect that uh, to change over the next week, assuming you know the sanctions stay in place and the the situation politically remains uh, along the same lines? Well, this is a story that's developing from day to day. Um, as as one of the people I spoke to quit, we'd have to be magicians to know what's going to happen tomorrow or the day after. So, yeah, keep an eye, expect sharp changes, perhaps. Um, but so far, let's just touch wood and keep our fingers crossed. All right, great. Got it. Thank you, Dave. Moving on to Venezuela's neighboring Brazil, where a tailings dam collapse has resulted in dozens of deaths and hundreds missing. As a result, Vale has decided to decommission 10 of its dams in other iron ore producing regions in a process that will take two to three years and as part of which they will be halting iron ore production to the tune of 14 million tons. So, Nida, can you tell us a little bit about what the effects on the dry bulk market are or are expected to be from this? Yeah, it's it's been called a very, very bad and very sad um, incident. It really deals a blow to a dry bulk market that was nicely recovering from the lows of 2016. The market has had a really disappointing start to, to the new year, and this is not going to help the situation. 40 million tons of iron ore that will not be moving to China, or anywhere else for that matter, uh, is very, very bearish for the market. If you look at the uh, Baltic Cape Size Index, which is a market uh, benchmark, uh, rates there, the average weight at time charter earnings has dropped more than 30% since the incident occurred on uh, January the 25th. Rates are now at just about $9,000 a day, uh, which when you think about it, you know, Cape size is the biggest segment uh, of the dry bulk market. It has the most weighting and um, iron ore from Brazil moving to China is the, you know, the most lucrative uh, trade uh, you can you can find rates on that particular voyage have dropped down to about thirteen dollars eighty nine per ton if you look at the Baltics uh, assessments down from sixteen dollars um, or above um, prior to the incident so yeah the dry bulb market is taking quite a or at least the cape size market is taking quite a battering from from this incident uh, but our thoughts and prayers lie with the families who have lost their loved ones indeed they are thank you for being with us today Nida. Pleasure.